You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About It podcast. You picked a great show to join us for the first time. Today's guests are navigating the challenges and innovations uh, of today's educational school systems. Joining us today are superintendents from Urbandale, Norwalk, and Southeast Polk Community School District. Dr. Rosalie Daka is the superintendent for the Urbandale Community School District. Her career in education spans more than 30 years with 19 plus of those years as an administrator. She's originally from St. Petersburg, Florida. Now, why are you up here in Iowa? I it's too it. cold. Um, <laughs> but made her way to Iowa by way of Wisconsin, two cold places. Uh, she had been serving as the chief academic officer for the uh, Racine Unified School District in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. Welcome, Rosalie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Our next guest is Superintendent D.T. McGee. Uh, on July 1st of this year, D.T. will be moving to a new position as the executive director of the Iowa Association of School Boards. While superintendent at Norwalk Community Schools and with the assistance of his administrative team, uh, DT helped lead the district through major facility planning, implementation of the Leader in Me program, and developed a new mission statement, Growing Learners and Leaders. Thanks for joining me, uh, DT. Thanks, Dr. Pruitt. Glad to be here. Dr. Dirk uh, Halupnik has been the superintendent for Southeast Polk Community uh, since 2015. Prior to that, he was the superintendent of Lindmar School District in Marion, Iowa, and a teacher of 7th through 12th grade science. Um, he's, uh, he has worked hard to promote a safe, positive school culture and climate. His favorite leadership quote is, leaders only succeed when those around them have success. Welcome to the microphone, Dirk. Thanks. Happy to be here. So I'm, I'm really glad to have all three of you here today. Um, all three of you have been instrumental in supporting me um, over the past two years since I've been here in Ankeny. Um, I really uh, appreciate uh, the camaraderie ship um, and the support. Um, so I'm really excited to get a peek into what the superintendency is like for you, especially with uh, the, our two veterans here. And Ro uh, Rosalie, you and I actually started at the same time. So yes, um, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, today's show. And so let's start with um, explaining to our audience, what is the role of the superintendent in a school district? So I'm, a, I'm looking at you, Dirk. So I'm going to start with you first. And so, you know, in, in your um, in your experience, you no, know, how would you describe the superintendency? Sure, that's that's one that's often confusing to to the public too because it's it's a little bit different. We're the only employee actually hired by the school board, so uh, the superintendent acts as the the chief executive officer of the board, uh, and that it's an all encompassing position. We're the the primary instructional leader, the the point person and ultimate voice for the district. Uh, we implement board policy. Um, and then are involved in daily operations, long-range planning, hiring, developing, and, and implementing a budget, uh, advocacy uh, for, for our school and, and for education in general, and, and making general recommendations to the board. Yeah, and uh, the, the first thing you talked about um, was you know, the superintendent being the only employee of the school dish, uh, of the school board, and so that, that's a, some, for some of our families and community members that that's not widely known right. um, in, in our school districts. Exactly. And so, DT, you know, how do you see the superintendency? Well, I agree with everything the Dirk just said. <laughs> One qualifier I'd say is it depends on the school district. Okay. So, the two of you are in districts that are um, more similar in size and makeup uh, historically, 
than Norwalk and Urbandale. Uh, and so Norwalk now has been growing from a small school to a larger 4A school. And so we're very similar to Urbandale now in terms of size. And so I think the, the role of, of the superintendent, definitely CEO. When you say that to people, they start to understand better what the role mm-hmm. of a superintendent is and encompasses basically all aspects of an organization. And then depending on the size of your district, you, you have more hats that you're going to wear in a smaller district. And as you get into a larger district, you have to do more delegation. Right. And so uh, another way to put it is the chief delegator. Okay. Because right? if we're going to be successful as superintendents, we need quality people underneath us to do the work that we simply can't do. We don't have enough time and uh, capacity to do all the work. So we need great people underneath us. And so y- you mentioned growing districts, so g- moving from small to a-, a larger district. What are some of the- those changes that you've seen in the role of being the CEO at Norwalk as um, your district is growing? Yeah, so when I when I arrived, one of the requests for the district was to create an HR department. We had that piecemealed out to different people, our school business official, the superintendent, principals, secretaries, and so we hired an HR director. And so we have positions now that we didn't have before. We were talking about communications directors earlier. And so we now have a communications director that's 25 hours a week. Next year it will be full-time. And so a lot of those type of positions we start to add as the work gets too much for one person to be part of their job. And so I would say that's one of the the big changes in a growing district is what specialized positions are you bringing on board to help you do the work at a high level. So the the administration uh, around the operation of the district is is just really important, not only in our our smaller districts, but then as they grow um, into larger districts also. Absolutely. Rosalie, um, what's your perspective on the role of the superintendent? Well, I, I agree with uh, Dirk and DT on, on what they've defined. I, I always like going into the schools and hearing what the kids think the superintendent does. And um, each time I go in, uh, they say that you're basically the boss of everybody. So it's always fun to watch the teachers just kind of smile as they give you that definition. But I think in the smaller districts, you're right. You do, you've got a lot of shared jobs that people have to do. And, and what's not widely known, too, is you're still supporting every school. You're still supporting the entire curriculum, the entire social-emotional learning, the entire everything, no matter how many schools it is. So it's still a lot of big jobs that smaller districts don't necessarily have the funding to have all those different positions. So it, it is it is a little bit difficult at times. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we talk monthly um, in our meetings. You now we have group chats that we're on. Um, there are great things going on in all of our districts. Um, and so I, I want us, our audience to um, have a better understanding of, you know, what are, what are some of the challenges that are facing educators today um, in K-12 education? So DT, I, I'll let you start with that question. I would say support. One, do we have the same support for public school and educators uh, that we maybe perceive was there uh, in previous eras? So we have a shortage of teachers, no doubt. Um, part of my work previously was with the Board of Educational Examiners, so the state licensing agency for educators in the state of Iowa. When I did work at the national level, started to become aware, and this was back in 2012, of the teacher shortage that wasn't in Iowa yet, but was coming our way. And so teacher shortage, people not going into the profession, is is a huge concern right now for public schools. So in the state of Iowa, about 10 years ago, we were producing about 2,400 teachers a year, and now we're producing about 1,700. And so uh, I would say that. What are those challenges? 
some of the loss of autonomy uh, with more mandates that come down, uh, more legislative intervention. Mm-hmm. And then um, how much autonomy do you have in your, whether it's a, as a superintendent or principal or a teacher in a classroom. So I would say some of that loss of atten- autonomy and loss of respect are, are two of the biggest challenges I see in education right now, in public education. Thank you. Uh, Rosalie, so you have perspective um, not only here in Iowa, but you've been able to work in uh, a few other districts. And so, you know, what what do you see the challenges um, for educators um, moving into the future? Yeah, um, I've uh, Florida, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and I think the biggest thing that I feel is that DT touched on is the lack of respect, and I think the misnomer about what's actually happening in our public schools. And before COVID, um, we kind of had a status quo. Yeah, we support the teachers, and then COVID hit, and all of a sudden, I know at least where I was in Wisconsin, teachers were the greatest thing that ever hit the earth. And oh my gosh, look at they're they're getting our kids through this. They're they're taking us into a different realm. And then all of a sudden, at some point, it seems like it just turned and and now they're the bad guy. And now because one classroom somewhere might have made one mistake, it's it's become this, um, you know, everybody knows because everybody went to school. And I don't think the teachers are getting the credit that's due. Um, Funding doesn't allow us to pay them what they're worth. You know, we pay our sports uh, teams millions and millions of dollars, but we don't pay the people who um, prepare kids for those those careers that they're getting ready to go out to. So I'd I'd love to see us raise our funding so that we could afford to pay them what they're worth. And I I think, you know, we said educators and I would include in there our administration, I would include our associates and all the different, you know, it takes more than just a couple people to make a school district work. So I want to see us get back to giving them the respect. It's not always about the money. These teachers come to work and do what they do because they love it. And we have to get back to supporting them as much as we possibly can. No, I, I, I love that you um, emphasize that, you know, in addition to teachers, it's um, all the other supporting roles um, at central office in the in, in our schools that support um, our our um, our vision around and, and goals around supporting kids and their learning. So, you know, really, you know, thank you for that. Dirk, you know, what challenges do you see? Sure. I couldn't agree more with, with Rosalie and DT on, on those workforce issues, definitely. I think I'd expand on that a little bit. And, and I would say it's probably pretty similar regardless of industry that you're talking about in the state of Iowa. I think that, that we're all looking at, at funding issues. Um, I think that the, the uh, increase in, in poverty levels in the state uh, bring uh, challenges and, and certain uh, fundamental things with that. Um, Technology is affecting all of us, whether we're talking something as, as simple as, as access uh, to maybe more complex like social media and artificial intelligence. And, and how is that going to affect us in the long run? Chat um, GPT. There you go. Man, how are we going to do, do, yeah. deal with that moving forward? So, yeah, there's just a few more things I'd throw out there. Yeah. So, so you know, for, um, teacher shortage, expanding on that workforce, how we're supporting um, all aspects of our organizations um, you know, in our districts, and then this, the idea of um, respect um, uh, um, of educators, um, including teachers, administrators, um, our associates, uh, nutrition staff, custodians, um, is um, you know, great um, insight into you know some of those challenges. And so, um, Rosalie, you know, what are uh, some keys to collaborating effectively with? A school board. And so uh, Dirk talked about and DT talked about 
superintendents being the CEO of a school district. Um, and as the CEO, um, part of our role is um, working collaboratively with our school board members. And so you know, what's been your key uh, to collaborating with your board members? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the the whole purpose of a school board is that governance component. And sometimes they, um, you know, people run for office because they're passionate about something. And sometimes there's a, you know, you have to have kind of a, that line of where my work is and where their work is. And I found that um, my board's really good about the, the transparency. I need to make sure that I am anticipating things that they might have come up that are difficult and I keep them abreast of those things. And we have some real open um, dialogues with them. You know, we do our quarterly evaluation in a closed session and I can have some really good conversations. Um, they always want to know what can, what can we do to support you and and I think taking those opportunities to have those conversations with them so there are no surprises. They understand what my style is, being consistent with the things that I say that I'm going to do and demonstrating that if I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it's just that that back and forth, I think, that you'd want with any relationship of uh, employees that you're working with. And, and again, I'm their only employee, so it's a tightrope because they're my collective boss. So right. you just have to, you know, is get to know them, have them get to know you and just keep those relationships open. Absolutely. DT, um, what's been keys to collaborating with your school board? Yeah, I think no surprises <laughs> and being intentional, uh, following through on what I, I say we're going to follow through on as a, the, the side of the house, the school district. Yes. Boards are, should be about governance and are about governance. And then, the the means on how we accomplish that really needs to fall to administration because again the board doesn't have the capacity to do everything that needs to be done in the school district, and so uh, being intentional about I meet with each of the school board members at least once a month sometimes in person sometimes virtual or phone call. Uh, we have a subcommittee structure in our district, and so we vet some ideas that are a little rougher through two board members instead of the full board, mm -hmm. and then we'll bring recommendations to the full board. So relationship building transparency and including board members in celebration. So uh, they oftentimes are, are hearing the bad things, uh, yeah. the challenging things that are happening in a school district. So how are we intentional about including them in the good news? So that might be board awards. We, we do board awards each uh, board meeting uh, with different students and staff members. Also uh, taking them out into buildings. If any recommendation I would have for school board members and superintendents, probably the number one would be get your school board members into buildings because the students and the staff members in buildings do a much better job of anybody else in the district of telling what the great things that are going on. Absolutely. Dirk, um, what about you? I think they've done a nice job of outlining the, the importance of communication and, and having a clear plan and, and expectations of what that's going to look like. And uh, I, that can't be emphasized enough. Um, <clears throat> I, I would also kind of say that I, I think having some uh, a shared vision of, of where you're headed yep. uh, is, is an important thing. And, and then with that, clearly defined goals of, of how we're going to get there. And I think if, if those things are aligned, uh, that, that just helps quite a bit in, in our work together as a team. One, one thing that I've really been impressed with over, the, over my time here in Ankeny is that um, I have a seven-member board. All of my board members individually care about kids. They care about Ankeny. They care about uh, the school district. Um, the work is how do we come together, giving them the information they need to make a collective decision based off of being transparent and the data that they, that 
uh, is available in uh, in our district. And I, I totally agree with you, DT, with regards to um, getting school board members into um, buildings. Uh, this year, one of the new things that we, we did here in Ankeny, um, we started instructional rounds. And so we've invited um, school board members to participate in instructional rounds with me, um, some of my um, cabinet members, along with principals um, and their supervisors and teachers in, in our respective buildings. And I think it opens up um, perspective around some of the challenges they, they're they hearing out in the community, in addition to some of the great things that are confirmed when we're getting into classrooms. And so, you know, seven or however many members you have, however many members you have on your board, they care about kids, they care about education. It's around how we bring the team together um, and give them information in order to make decisions at the board table that, from, from my perspective, is what really counts. Um, DT, um, I mentioned in, um, our, uh, in your bio that you'll be transitioning this summer into a new role. And so some of our audience members may not be aware of the Iowa Association of School Boards. So can you explain uh, who or what is th this organization and what exactly does it do? Yeah, so it's a nonprofit organization. It's a member organization that serves Iowa public school boards. We are close to 100% membership. We're two, uh, two districts shy of that goal. Okay. So we'll see if I can accomplish that. And the, the main items, uh, you know, and the efforts from the ISB staff and the ISB boards, who have a 17-member board, representatives from across the state, community colleges, and AEAs. And a lot of board training is a focus. Uh, also administrator training through ISFLIC. And uh, probably our most popular service is policy. So school board policy drafts and uh, suggested policies. And then also our annual convention is, is a great event each year in November. Uh, and then we also have affiliated programs. So we'll make recommendations about different programs that may help a district save money, uh, invest money, and uh, can help the process of being a school board member and a school board uh, a little bit easier. But uh, board member education is, I would say, number one, mm -hmm. followed by a lot of the other services that we, we promote and provide. And part of what Lisa Bartuzic has done is a great job. The uh, outgoing executive director, along with the staff, is trying to whittle down some of what was going on previously um, probably too many things and really focusing on what the core mission of ISB and what those core services are. So, And so because we, we currently have the majority of districts in Iowa part of IESB, um, participation, I, I don't know the percentage rates as far as participation, what would be your plug for school board members out there or people interested in being on a school board as to why they should participate in the activities offered through IASB? Well, I think it's with anything in life that working with other people that know the work and the expertise that's there. Uh, I did leave out one important item, and that's legislative advocacy. Mm. And so that connection to lobbyists that are up on, ca on the Capitol Hill uh, at the state capitol, working with legislators to advocate on behalf of school boards. And so staying attuned with the policy um, positions of ISB, legislative positions, is really important because that is – uh, we are an effective organization, ISB, to help to advocate for public schools. Uh, and then there's just – there is a collective years and years, decades, decades and decades of best practices that are known by ISB that can come out and help boards understand how you can operate effectively and efficiently as a board. Yep. 
So Rosalie, actually all four of you, um, all of us have had different pathways, different experiences that have led us to the positions that we're in, that we're in today. Rosalie, what made you want to be an administrator and specifically a superintendent? Well, that was one that was a surprise to me, actually. Um, I, you know, I think it's the same for <clears throat> most of the people is you, you feel like that, that next step, you can make a bigger difference than just the 30 kids that are sitting in your class or 35 in today's numbers. Um, and each time I felt like there, I was ready to, to go to that next level. Um, when I got called to be at the district office as the chief academic officer, that was, uh, an opportunity that I hadn't planned on. I kind of thought that I would uh, end my career as a building principal. I've had experience in both elementary and middle. And when I got that opportunity and I <clears throat> got a taste of how much more effective and how many more people I could uh, improve the lives of these kids, then I started thinking about the superintendency. And I luckily had a um, mentor talking about growing leaders. I had a mentor that was outstanding who encouraged me to look at the superintendency position. And I just got more and more confident working under her and that's I ended up here, and I, I feel like I'm making a difference. I hope I'm making a difference. I'm going to continue to keep trying to make as much of a difference in the lives of the kids as I can. Absolutely. Dirk, what about you? You know, I, I would say a little bit of a similar story there. Absolutely loved life as a, as a classroom teacher and a coach and felt like I was making a difference with those kids that I, I dealt with every day, uh, but knew that at, at that administrative level, I could affect um, more lives, more kids. And, and part of, I guess, um, where that comes from is I grew up with a father who was a principal and a superintendent. So we lived that life as a family. I mean, I went to every elementary junior high and high school music program. I was at all the sporting events and things like that. And it was just our lifestyle. And so that was just a a natural progression. Uh, It was tough each step of the way. I wasn't always sure I was ready to leave and make that next leap. Uh, But again, a set of just outstanding mentors, people that, that changed my life for the better uh, encouraged me, gave me opportunities, and and things moved on from there. So, DT, yeah, same. Uh, I was going to be a teacher and a coach and a counselor, and had some very good administrators. Superintendent Bob Schmidt uh, is his name, and Jerry Wallace unfortunately passed away. It was the first principal that hired me, and they they saw something in me that encouraged me to go down a leadership path. So I had that. You know, am I going to do a counseling master's degree right. or administration? So I decided on administration, and and so from there, it's just the great people that I've worked with. And I've had uh, interesting routes. So going from, you know, principal, and I've been a principal at the high school level, assistant principal, elementary, middle school, and then HR director in Waukee to the BOE and the interim director of the Department of Ed, right. and now the superintendency. And so it has been uh, a, a strange and winding path at times. But similar to what Dirk talks about is I didn't have parents that were educators However, I always enjoyed school mm. and, and the comprehensive school, not just academics, uh, but you know activities and everything that goes into it. And being able to have my vocation be a lot of my avocation as well yeah. has, has been fun for me because I, I enjoy standing down the football field on Friday night. I, I enjoy not having the stress of being the coach, right? I was a head <laughs> right. basketball coach. And so just all those factors uh, led me to this position right now. And DT, you, you mentioned that you, know, you, you had that one person. Rosalie, you mentioned the same thing. You had a mentor, someone to tap you on the shoulder. Isn't it amazing how one person can change your pathway? 
no matter where you are in life. And so, you know, it's, it's just you know, mentorship is just really important, not, not only in life, but especially in education. DT? Yeah, and I would follow up with that. And school board members are part of that because I had a school board member that kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you have the skill set to be a superintendent. Mm. And so super in, super in, or school board members have a role to play in that with younger, whether it's teachers or administrators, just what, what do they see? Yeah. Because ultimately they're going to hire those superintendents, right? So I think it's really important for school board members uh, to have conversations with young talent as well and, and express confidence in their leadership. I totally agree. And Rosalie, you talked about um, that mentor, but then you also talked about career pathways. And so um, how important you know, in your role as superintendent um, is developing career pathways for different um, employee groups um, within your district? Yeah, I think that's extremely important. And I, you know, as a woman in in leadership, you know, I I can't quote the exact statistics, but we all know that the majority of teachers are are women. But when you start to go up the administrative ranks, those numbers shrink and it it almost flips and there's there's more men. Not that men aren't great administrators, but (laughs) I'm very passionate about um, mentoring other women to go as far in their careers they'd like. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to have those in-home or in-house training programs opportunities that you can work with people who are interested in in taking a similar pathway or or what they think might be a a different pathway, but giving them the opportunity to try their hand at uh, the leadership and leading, uh, you know, leading initiatives and just giving them those real life opportunities. So if they, they hopefully stay with you, but if they decided to go to another district, you're, you're, you've got people that you've trained well that are prepared that can go out there and train the next person. And that's kind of what I've, I've taken as my own, um, uh, charge is to keep keep that cycle going and, and get more women in leadership. Right. Dirk, um, how has um, developing career pathways um, in your district uh, played a role? Sure. I think it's a very important role. You know, we've, we all three mentioned the the uh, pipeline and the, the diminishing pipeline, I guess, as we move forward. So within has to be a, a, an important piece of that. And I think there's a couple different ways that I would highlight and and probably similar in all of our districts. But uh, for example, our paraeducators, um, we just through our negotiated uh, uh, bargaining uh, created a, a uh, increase in pay, I guess, for those that, that have uh, their certification as a paraeducator. And that then starts them down the road to become a classroom teacher. So it's a natural avenue. Um, similar with our, with our students, we've uh, actually started a, a scholarship program for students that are looking at, at becoming teachers. And I think Norwalk has a, a very uh, strong uh, program as well from what I remember. Um, but just a, a couple examples of, of ways to incentivize and, and encourage people to stick around and continue to move forward in, in our profession. DT? So we, I, I would say it's a focus on our mission statement, growing learners and leaders. And so mm. We have been very intentional about all of our students can be leaders. It just depends on the day and, and the area. Uh, we, we've taken a hard look at the state law, and I've encouraged everybody to go out and read the actual state law around gifted and talented. One of the areas is leadership. And so we now have a leadership course, and we're establishing students who have leadership uh, giftedness or talent uh, and identifying them in GT. And then from there, we, we – are, I think, identifying some underserved groups of students and then going up. Yes, Dirk, we, we have a intro to ed class and a lot, a, lot, a lot of districts have that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so different pathways are coming through there. And we're trying to do more differentiation, of course, for students. Uh, heavy focus on standards reference grading. 
heading towards hopefully more competency-based ed within our district. And just encouraging those folks who, who have uh, an interest support staff. And I, I think I'll just throw this out there. I've been a huge advocate for paying student teachers. Mm. There is an economic barrier yeah. to people to get into the field because of the – it's not just an unpaid internship as a student teacher. You have to pay for that experience. I don't know about all of you, but I paid Drake University right. <laughs> to student teach, right? right. Uh, and so I, I think that's something we've, we've talked a lot about in Norwalk is how can we remove some of that, those barriers? Uh, for folks who come from different walks of life to have equal access to get into the teaching profession in particular. And that's, it's really about equity also. You know, so when we look at um, our districts in, here in, in Iowa, um, I just happen in Ankeny to be lucky enough to be smack dab in the middle of Drake and Iowa State. And so it's relatively easy for student teachers to make their way uh, to Ankeny. However, if um, we do pay them, it, it, it may provide some equity for them to go to smaller districts to get those experiences um, in a classroom. And so um, being a superintendent, um, we all um, ha have, an, uh, have had an opportunity to teach, be in the classroom, be principals, be district, administra be district administrators, but um, as a superintendent, we have the opportunity to see, to see the district at like the 100,000-foot level, um, many different aspects of running a district. And so as the superintendent, Rosalie, what do you look forward to each day? Well, um, on a really, really good day, I look forward to getting into the schools. Um, I don't feel like I, I do that enough. I do set aside dedicated time during the week to have no meetings or have, you know, nothing that will distract me so I can get into the schools. That's my favorite part of the day. Um, if I'm not in the schools, uh, at least getting through my to-do list sounds good. I, I don't know that that always happens because you make it and then life happens and one thing or another draws you away from it. But I, I getting into the schools is just the best part of the day. Yeah. Dirt. You know, Eric, you said something earlier that really stuck with me about your, your board members and all of them really caring about kids. And, and I would say that my first answer to that would be, I look forward to working with uh, people that truly care about kids. Um, and that's, that's something that makes it really easy to go to work when, when everybody has that passion. Um, the second thing that I would add in there is that I think everything we do, and again, probably in all four of our districts, is focused on growth and improvement. Mm -hmm. And so I look forward to working on things that help us improve in some way. And, and again, because it's such a wide-ranging job, uh, today it might be on buildings. Tomorrow it might be on social studies standards. The next day it might be on the food service program. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But just focusing on growth and improvement. Mm -hmm. DT. Yeah, certainly getting out into buildings. So I've got a goal this year of uh, getting out into every teacher's classroom once a quarter. Mm. And so uh, that's that's a wonderful part of my job. I love the people I work with. Yeah. And, and that's part of the challenge for me leaving is uh, I'm leaving, you know, those folks to do great work. And, and I would echo what Dirk said is just the ability to show up on a daily basis and work on problems that you don't know what the answer is going to be. And oftentimes, well, I, if I'm being honest, most of the times I don't have the answers, right? Like smart people I work with do. And, and so seeing what other people are going to offer up as solutions to, uh, at times, very simple problems right. and other times very complex problems, that's a, that's a wonderful part of the job. It's, it's you know, being a superintendent is hard, yeah. but I, I love I, I love the work. Yeah. So I, I'm going to share. The, the one thing I love is getting emails from students. Mm. 
with um, them trying to convince me to go to a four day school week to um, having recess in middle school to improving lunches. Call on a snow day. Call on a, oh, call on a snow day um, or wind day or rain day. <laughs> um, I just really enjoy um, the interaction with students um, when it happens either through email or as Rosalie said, um, in schools and in classrooms. And so uh, the last question that I'm gonna give all of you an opportunity to respond to is um, you know, we've, uh, educators across our nation have been have experienced a lot uh, from pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, um, and public education has come 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 under attack a lot. Um, and you know, we talked we've talked about a little bit about um, respect of our educators, um, our support personnel. But the last question that I'd like you to respond to, um, and I'll start with you, Rosalie, is why is public education so important? Well, I think um, public education is a foundation for a functioning society. I think that we, uh, we try to make sure that we give our kids everything that they need to go out into the world to do whatever it is that they want to do. Um, it, we need to set them up for options to be successful. Not everybody's going to college. Not everybody's going to get a job right out of the work. You know, when they get out of high school, not everybody's going to go into the military, but it's a challenge for us, but it's a it's a great challenge. And I think that by preparing these kids to do whatever it is that they want to do so they can turn around and say, yeah, that that four years at, at the high school and the 13 in school altogether really helped me become a functioning member of society. And I, I, I think that public schools, I believe in public schools. I've always been a public school advocate. My son went to public school. And I think that teachers do amazing things with um, very little at times, but yeah. Thank you. Dirk. Very well said, Rosalie. I would, would echo several of those things. I, I think that the, the communities of the future are in our hallways and our classrooms right now. And so we have an obligation uh, to, to provide a, a really a, a broad and strong base and then also show the opportunities that are out there. Uh, so that, that the students can, can make their choices and, and move forward with whatever their life plan is. And so I, I just think it's it's so important. E.T. Yeah, public education can be a great equalizer. Yeah, so at least twice a year when we're gathered together as a Norwalk staff, I say, okay, do we have future leaders, current leaders walking our hallways? And yes or no, raise your hand. Everybody raises their hand. So, okay, keep your hand up if you know what how they're going to lead in the future. And everybody has to put their hands down. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then we have to teach them all to be those future leaders we need. And I think that's the, the key with public education is we welcome all students, yeah. right? Uh, we may have to make some hard decisions about a discipline in a student, maybe uh, go to an expulsion. We may have to seek an outside resource to educate a child because there's their unique needs. But we welcome all kids. And, and I think that is the, the model in the the example we need to set in our country is public school. Public schools are for all kids. Well said, all three of you. Um, this has been fun. Uh, um, I want to thank um, all three of you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to um, talk with me today about the superintendency and about education, and providing a quick look into um, you know what we do on a daily basis. Um, to my audience, uh, join us next time on Let's Talk About It. We are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast. 
the official podcast of Anchor Community Schools.